0: My favorite quote of all time is, we're all just walking each other home. I really believe that. I believe that our purpose on this earth is to make someone else's journey better in some way, to lighten their load. You know, sometimes it's literally just walking with a friend and talking about your troubles. You know, you don't have to have a degree or a certification or be in some major position to just listen to somebody, to give them your time. It costs nothing. And so each person I help, then I feel, even if I stopped working tomorrow, I feel like I've achieved what I what I came to do. Now I feel like there are more people I can help. Yeah. But the fact that I've helped anybody helps me know my story wasn't in vain. If I had gone through this and literally helped nobody, then I would have a few questions and, and a few doubts about things. But I know I've helped other people and that's enough for me.
1: That's my wife, Sharon Leggio-Falchuk and i'm brian Felchuk, the do a day podcast Where you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times overcome them and have turned around to help others with what they've learned i'm your host brian Felchuk. i know because i've lived it myself i've written about it in my book do a day and that's why i'm bringing you this show remember today's a new day go out and do it hey day doers i have a really interesting episode for you today with a guest who there's been a lot of build-up to bring her on the show, like years of build-up, like, uh, well, it depends when you're listening to this, how long it's been, but it's been in the making since 2004 when we first met each other. This is my wife, Sharon Leggio Falchuk. Sharon is a functional medicine health coach. She's also the main catalyst in my story in Do A Day. She's also the woman that I dedicate my second book, the fifty seventy 100 solution to, and I know if you've been listening to this podcast, you've had to endure me talking about the book over the last few weeks as I gear up to today, which is the day the book comes out. And so I thought what more important or what better way to launch the book than to honor it by having the person the book is dedicated to my most important relationship as the guest in this episode or this week's episode. So this is a really cool thing for me, bringing my wife on the show. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's something we've talked about doing for a while. And there was like an awkwardness or maybe a trepidation on both of our parts of how would it go? How would it feel? Would it be awkward? Would it be, um, I don't know, like, because we, you know, we know so much about each other. We know so much about our stories. Would we be able to draw it out in a natural way? Um, And having listened to this episode a few times now through the editing process and take notes, I think we did it. And she calls it out at the end that there's another episode in us where we we need to get into our own relationship, not just her story. And um, I think that's a beautiful and cool idea. And I think we will do that. But for now, it's really important to bring Sharon's story here. And for those of you who know the story of Do A Day, you caught a taste of it. You know what she went through in 2011. You know the journey she's been on with chronic illness, facing Lyme disease and other things that have come along for the ride with it. But you haven't heard it from her and you haven't heard about the journey that it sparked as she went through her own wellness to now start to help other people. And that's what led her to be a functional medicine health coach. And to help people specifically with chronic illness, but more broadly than that. But that's really been one of her main focuses, uh, or at least one of the main drivers to get into that work. This is a huge deal for both of us to have her on. It's a huge deal for our household. It's a, um, you know, it was a, I think it was a really good thing for the two of us to go through recording this episode. And you'll hear, we actually live streamed it at the same time on Facebook and Instagram. So we make reference a couple of times there, and there' were some really great comments and stuff that came up. We didn't address any of them because I didn't want to get in the way of this recording, but it was it was just great to see. It was great to see the people coming in, um, some really kind words. Some people are like, "Whoa, who's your guest?" Um, so obviously they missed the intro where I said who she was, but I liked the whoa part. Um, yeah, it was just it, it was pretty amazing, and I'm so unbelievably proud of Sharon, of not just what she's become, but who she is, how she got here, and this journey, this track that she's been on. Um, If you heard my interview with Mark Nepo, that's someone who Sharon has taken to his work and his message and taken it in, and she's heard him speak. Um, And I mentioned that when I interviewed him, and one of the things he talks about is how life is this crooked journey. And I think this is a really great example of exactly that. And so, you know, of course, we go through the journey, we talk about the purpose of it and the work she's doing today, but we also touch on whether she would change it, whether she would give it up. And, you know, that's something obviously we've spoken about in our house. Um, but, you know, to talk about it publicly and to get into the why is a really powerful thing. So, in honor of this book, The 5075 100 Solution Build Better Relationships, which is dedicated to Sharon, our relationship is a key part of that book and what I talk about and what led me to seeing this solution to tough relationships is only fitting that I bring you this episode with Sharon Leggio Falchuk, functional medicine health coach, amazing mother, and my wife. Sharon Falchuk, thank you so much for joining me today. Although you kind of join me every day,
0: <laughs> I don't know that I had a choice. <laughs> yeah.
1: So for for those who haven't done the math on the names being the same, this is my wife. And if you haven't read Do a Day, then you wouldn't. You may not have known that, but Sharon is um, the central figure in this key moment that I went through. And my next book's dedicated to you, which I don't think you even knew until they showed up at the house. No. I think I mentioned it in passing, but. Probably not, or not well enough. That's how how kind I am. Like I don't even tell you. Um, but yeah, Sharon's story obviously is such a huge part of my story, and her story is so inspirational to so many others. And while I've connected you with other people to be on their shows, still haven't done a show here. So we thought, what more fitting of a time to have you on than the day that the book that's dedicated to you comes out? So this is coming out the same day as my next book. So a huge day for our family overall. Um, Sharon, do you want to give us just a really high level of what you do today in your functional medicine health coaching work?
0: Sure. So I can't really talk about what I do today without going back to why I do what I do. I don't know if you want we'll me dig- to go back. Yeah, we'll oh, go back okay. into that,
1: but just the high level. Okay, What's so your-
0: high level, I am a functional medicine health coach. And what what does that mean? So functional medicine looks at root cause, um, root causes of why people get sick. And either helps people prevent that from happening, or unfortunately, most of the time it's that people find themselves in that situation and then are trying to kind of dig themselves out of it um, so whereas we think of conventional medicine as kind of treating patients at the branches and and leaf level. functional medicine looks at the roots and the soil and why the what the environment is that maybe um, you know triggered disease coming into into being because. We're all predisposed to certain things. We, any of us can really manifest disease in any way, shape, or form, but we have to look at the, the what exactly pulled the trigger to make that happen. Mm. So, well, oh, so I'm not, and yeah. so I'm not a doctor, but what I do is sometimes I work in collaboration with doctors, um, and sometimes it's just that people have kind of tried everything and are just looking for someone to really brainstorm with them, help them set goals, um give I give people lots of research um to help them make better decisions and just kind of I'm on the journey with people so I'm really I tell them that, that they're really driving it's their health it's their bodies they need to learn to be the CEOs of their health I'm just there to kind of help them navigate the system because I've been through it myself and I've helped so many do the same so I'm really just a support system, a cheerleader, you know, accountability partner, whatever people need, that's what i provide.
1: And like everybody on the show, you didn't just wake up and you're like, oh yeah, maybe i'll do this, that sounds neat. Like you like it's it's a spoiler for anyone who's heard the show before and you you kind of know, but like you absolutely went through it and all of what you're doing today, like i get so proud thinking about mm-hmm. this. Like it's 100% born of this path, this struggle that you went through and fought through and had to become the ceo of your own destiny your own future because no one else well i i don't want to sit here and just tell your story like you tell it but um as your husband someone who's in the mix and very hard to step back with perspective when i was in the middle of it and i've been honest like not good enough in that middle we can talk about that if you want um but to look back on it and to reflect on who you are today and what you're doing for others through your own uh, your own training in that firsthand, like in the trenches, is pretty astounding. So I'm excited to hear your story in your words, not mine.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, um, I spent a lot of my my life not really feeling well, um, and you know, there was a lot of ailments, a lot of digestive and things like that that kind of run in my family. So it was kind of there was just kind of this acceptance of that's how it is. And when you're a kid and you're going through things, you kind of just assume everybody's life is like that. You don't really have anything to measure that against. Um, so, again, a lot, I was in excruciating pain a lot with digestive stuff, with weird body aches and pains, um, some neurological things. And um, when it would get bad enough that I'd be rolling around on the floor, you know, my parents would take me to the emergency room and, And every time we went, I was just told, you know, I must have caught a virus and to go home and just kind of sleep it off. Um, And, you know, within a week or two, usually my body would settle back down. But within a month or two, I'd be kind of in the cycle of having another flare up. Um, So that went on off and on throughout life. I had a major flare up in college because, again, you know, adjusting to a different environment, stress stress of college, um, eating very poorly. Whereas my mom had kind of every, always cooked very healthy food from scratch. We didn't have processed foods. Um, so going off to college, you know, and every meal thinking that French fries was a good enough vegetable and eating ice cream with everything, you know, well before I knew that I had food sensitivities, um, making bad choices like that, not getting enough sleep and drinking and whatever else
1: college life yeah college
0: life um but again went through about 10 doctors and they all said you know your inflammatory markers are high but we don't know what's wrong with you so let's treat the symptoms so it was put on medication for migraines you know digestive um, acid reflux medication um just a variety of things an anti-inflammatory and um over time, I just decided the side effects of those were, were not pleasant, so I just weaned myself off from them, and it kind of was enough to break the cycle, and I got back to life. But as you know, that I kind of played that game of um, flare-ups and recovery for many years, one of the worst being on our honeymoon, actually. It was the
1: first time I saw it. Like, yeah. I had no idea.
0: You didn't even know that I no. kind of had struggled with this. It became such a part of my life. It's not really something I ever talked about. Um, You
1: probably thought it was behind you. Like as long as we were together before that, I never knew about anything.
0: Since I never got a diagnosis of anything, Mm -hmm. I always just assumed like, okay, maybe if I get through this time, this will be the last time. And um, since no one was helping me connect dots, I didn't. So I just kind of thought, well, maybe it was the greasy food, so I won't eat that as much. And but there was never like a one-for-one thing I could connect it to, other than. Other obviously stressful situations um, would play a part, you know, in anything functional medicine when we look at it, it's a multifactorial thing. Like there's more than one thing impacting people's health at any given time. Um, So, yeah, and then it just um, got to the point after having a child, you know, the stress of that on the body, the the lack of sleep afterwards, I was, um, you know, which I'm happy to talk about too. Um, having a baby kind of kicked off for me. I had low lying anxiety most of my life, but um, it kind of triggered for me severe anxiety and OCD and being very overprotective of my son, our son, and <laughs> um, not wanting people necessarily to, around him a lot. Yeah. And I was worried for his safety. He also had health issues, which didn't help. He was, you know, had a, digestive issues. Unfortunately, he inherited those from yeah.
1: me. Which, if I can jump in, like it's yeah. so easy. And I hear this phrase so often like, oh, that's just our family. We just, that's our stomach problem. Yeah. Like, it, it's really easy. Um, not just for doctors but for all of us around to just kind of blow things off
0: well yeah and he was having similar things that i had when yeah. i was born you know what they called colic when i was a child i yeah. guess they still call it that um actually because i wrote i wrote a post about that one day um there's very you know significant and real reasons why those things are happening yeah. they're not just something to ride out they're not just something to just you know all that just happens. Um and I intuitively knew that thankfully for my son's sake. Um and so when I was told that there was nothing that I could do to help him. Yeah. Um that's just that he needed acid medication. Um I knew better and I changed my diet at that point and that made a difference. But anyway, um by the time he was 2 was when, you know, in 2011 was when my body kind of gave out in the most significant way it ever had. Um, to the point of being bedridden where, you know, I literally couldn't digest any food. I lost 25 pounds in four weeks and at rest, my heart rate was well over a hundred, you know, between a and 200 beats per minute. Um, I was in excruciating pain in my abdomen and kind of my pelvic area, um, went to, you know, 15 different doctors. And I mean, I, I kind of breezed through the story. Um. But it was literally hanging on by a thread between appointments. It was like, well, maybe the next doctor yeah. will have the answer. Um, I and remember was-
1: that feeling when you'd get in with someone who was supposed to be an expert in the space. And it was like this feeling of like, oh, this will be the one. Yeah. Or like every night we'd go to bed and I'd be like, maybe tonight will be the night you get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And we break the cycle, like waiting for our son's fever to break if he had a fever. It was like just this anticipation that something outside will – Oh, this will be the thing that makes it better.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that's really the only thing that kept me going was the hope that something eventually someone would help me. Um, We even had – before this had really happened, I remember we had scheduled our first family vacation to go to the Cape. And um, I was so bad off, like literally thinking I was going to die. By July, it was like dire. It was like extremely – I mean it's it was June, May, and you took the month of June off from work so that you could take care of Michael. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we didn't know how long this was gonna last or what was gonna happen, but we ended up canceling our trip. Yeah. Um, and uh I had an appointment with, I think it was a rheumatologist, um, hoping a second rheumatologist, I think, at that point. And I was like, Well, you know, I'm not well enough to go on vacation and maybe this doctor will be the one. Uh, and went, and it was just another pat on the head, like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just an anxious mom and yeah. go home. And, you know, at that point, like, I didn't think there was, <laughs> you even called my primary care doctor and said, June 30th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't do something, I'm afraid my wife's going to die. She's not going to make it. You know, yeah. I couldn't, like I said, digest food. I was, there was like a week period, a one week period where I literally didn't sleep at all other than yeah. like a few minutes here and there. Um, so yeah, so that is sort of the journey. I mean, at high level, it was, it was literal hell every single day, but, um, that's sort of high level what happened, um, to okay. kind of propel me into the the profession I'm in now.
1: Can I just add, you know, I, I've shared this before, but not with you sitting here that I definitely, I was trying to help as much as I could. And for me, that's a lot of doing, but I was, um, I was looking for those external answers too and so whenever someone had anything I was in like pusher mode mm. like just take the med- like you keep using the word just and it's striking me that like anytime we hear that word it's a dismissal mm. it's an oversimplification and it should be a red flag that that person doesn't get it just take the medicine just do what the yeah. doctor said just calm down just whatever you're just doing this to yourself That doctor, when I called him, was like, oh, just take her to... Like, he was totally flippant when I was like, she's like 100 pounds. She's not going to make it through. He was going on vacation for six weeks. And he's like, oh, just take her to the ER if you need to. And he hung up. So it's like that word, just. And I was just part of that as well. And I'm sorry for that.
0: Well, I mean, you know, unless you're going through it, I feel like especially so... Spoiler alert! It, it ended up being a big part of my puzzle was chronic Lyme disease, and it's a classic, classic dilemma that people with with chronic illness, but especially something as mysterious and controversial as Lyme disease, find themselves in, is that people don't believe you. It's so like seems so outlandish that one day you've lost vision in your eye, and the next day your digestion is shot. Yeah. Like people are like, how does how does that work? And even doctors who should know how it works. Um I think a lot of because they can't figure it out their ego is that it doesn't exist. So um and you when, look good. And and you know that's what I kept getting is well you look healthy, you look fine. I was so not fine you and were thin.
1: And so like thin <laughs> is good.
0: Yeah, no. So um you know, I, we could hold on to a lot of anger and blame, um, but a lot of it is just people don't understand yeah. and they don't get it. And um, and again, especially in our broken healthcare system, when it comes to I don't understand it, the ego says then it's not real. Um, and so that's what we're up against with not just Lyme disease, but with a lot of chronic illness is, um, you know, doctors... And women have been dealing with this for centuries of being hysteric, you know, in hysteria or your hormones make you crazy. But um, anyway, we had to deal, I personally, in my family, you know, unit yeah. and in the broader world, had to deal with people who, even if they believed me, were just kind of, frankly, tired of me being sick and just wanted and, – and it hurts to see the people that you love suffering. So, um, you know – it's one of those things is when you don't get better, people are like, really, you're still sick? Yeah. Really, you're still not leaving the house? Really, you're still not cooking our meal? You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's a huge stress on everybody who knows you, basically. So not only do you have the stress of being sick, you have the stress of being a burden on everybody and having doubters and having, you know, all this extraneous stuff. It's, it's a hard, hard thing.
1: Yeah, and then the guilt on top of that stress, the guilt of like... You know, is, is our child having the experience you want them to have, whether they're complaining about it or not, um, is anybody like that? It, it's a lot to add on to what is already an incredible burden internally. Yeah. Um so yeah, this like as I reflect on this, this is where so much um pride, I guess is is a word for it, comes from about you is what you've been through.
0: Well, I mean you know, it's interesting because uh, through this process, uh, one of the things that has been probably the most valuable thing I've learned is about the connection between our minds and our bodies and our emotions and our health. And um, I feel like a lot of us with health issues uh, who have been through this similar journey get tired of people saying it's all in our heads. So we get resistant to the um suggestion that we could do something with our minds to make it better because then that's sort of like we're admitting that those people are right all along but it's actually not not the case because you really do have a real illness but you have a lot of a lot you can do to impact the systems in your body to deal with that illness when you incorporate your mind and your emotions and you know, I went to therapy for the first time in my life, um, which I feel like if you've lived a human life, everybody could benefit from some, some sort of therapy, whether you've been through anything or not. Um, and, you know, going through a, an illness like I did and and went through for most of my life is a traumatic experience. So you've got trauma literally just from having pain. And from doctors mistreating you, and from you know we all have sometimes family stuff or whatever, and so going back and dealing with personal traumas and the trauma of the illness itself is what really opened the door for me to empower myself. And I had never in my life been an empowered person. I never really spoke up. Um, I kind of let people decide things for me, and i I didn't feel com- I didn't feel confident enough to kind of. Be the driver of my own life, so for the first time, I was put in this position where I knew it was all up to me. no one was gonna do it for me, um no one could do it for me and so um here I was in this position where I had to do it, and I was saying to my therapist this week actually um he was we were talking about a situation I'm dealing with right now where um he just commented like. You never give up. You have this persistence in you that is just unbelievable. And I never really thought about it. And I said, you know, I always kind of felt like I wasn't the smartest necessarily, or I wasn't the richest, or I wasn't, you know, I didn't have all these other things that we use as markers for being the best or successful in life. But the one thing I did have was that I never gave up. Like, no matter what people told me I could or couldn't do, or, you know, doctors saying that there's nothing wrong with you, you're not going to get better. I was like, you're so wrong, and I'm just not going to give up on this. Um, so again, like, especially in American society, we have all these markers for what can make you great. And going through something like this can actually show you what you're made of and what what does make you great. And it doesn't have to be the same thing that makes everybody else. Yeah. Great, you know,
1: you know, I mean, going back to those moments, you, you were researching like nonsense. I mean, one of the I don't know if this is a benefit of not sleeping, but you had a lot of time to be online and to research things and to look into it and um tenacity for sure. But also like it's like you recognized because you were doing this while you were still seeking outside help. It's like a part of you recognized like I need to do that. Like I, you're trying to save your life. Mm-hmm. It's not just like it's easy to say, oh, you're obsessing over it and you're, you know, was, Googling right? everything. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like the reason the, the driver behind it was survival yeah which it's like the most basic you know like um it's a basic human right a right to believe in our own survival and to want that yeah. and that's what you were trying to do when no one else seemed to be helping you to do that and i, I feel like from that fire aside from all the knowledge that you gained because you gained a ton before you officially started studying but that sparked this path i remember early on you making a comment like maybe a year into your journey about like if if something good comes of this for someone else then it's all worth it Mm -hmm. but it's like well something good's coming from it for you that like you're here yeah and that wasn't a given
0: yeah well it's funny that you say that because it reminds me of when i couldn't sleep literally and um at this point you had moved into another room because like literally i was i couldn't sleep so that wouldn't be healthy for you and we had a tv in our room at that point in time which i don't any <laughs> i don't recommend and we don't anymore um but at that point in time all i could do to take my mind kind of off of the pain and and everything was watch tv and so what i constantly had on was oprah's um oprah's own network and um things like super soul sunday and um Also, at that point in time, she had um, a documentary about Shania Twain's uh, healing journey herself, which actually we ended up finding out was also from Lyme that she lost her, partially why she lost her voice. But she went through a very traumatic time with a divorce from her husband um, and had had other traumas in her life. Her parents both died in a car accident at the same time. Um, So anyway, lots of parallels between myself and Shania Twain, as it turns out. As far as Lyme and things like that, but um I was so inspired by a lot of oprah's programming, and um, I wrote a letter very early on when I couldn't get out of bed and said to Oprah, like, "Your shows are getting me through right now, and I make a promise to you, I make a promise to God that if I get through this i'm gonna take this and use it to help other people mm-hmm. um, and so I mean it's that's what ended up happening you know it's I kind of intended it and put it out in there out into the." Universe, and uh, at that point, I really wasn't even sure I was going to see the day where I could get out of bed or do anything for anyone else other than get myself to the bathroom. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's almost like I sort of got the ball rolling in that moment just by speaking it out to other people.
1: Yeah, Sharon, we—I don't remember when it was, but we we had this conversation about what you went through and whether you would undo, undo it. And like, this is something that really interests me. Like, you know, I interviewed Josh Perry with his brain tumors. I mentioned this a bunch of times in the show. And I just saw this video from him about his why. And he goes right back to it. And he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish them away. And it took away his career his like dream career that he had achieved. He had to give that up. Mm -hmm. And yet he wouldn't give them up. And you had made this comment about like, obviously, you don't wish for the pain, you don't wish for the fear, you don't wish for any of that on yourself or anyone else. But at the same time, what came out of it? Do you think you could be doing what you're doing right now without that? Like, was it a necessary catalyst for you?
0: Yeah, there's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Um, And I've told you the story, I've told others the story about how when I was in college, like, my passion was always writing. And so I thought I wanted to be a journalist and, um, I was an English major and I was a psychology minor because all of the psychology stuff really fascinated me and helping other people, you know, like I was the type of person who, um, friends would show up at my dorm room at night to tell me their troubles and we'd talk through things. And, you know, I would always just put aside, I was more in college. It was about like connection and socializing than it was, you know, I would put aside anything I had to do, To talk to people. And so I really wanted at that point in college, I was like, maybe I'll become a psychologist. Um, But as I've mentioned, like that would have meant if I went, you know, that was my major, I would have had to do more math and statistics and things. And that really scared me. I didn't have the confidence to do those things. So that to me felt like a shut door um, because I didn't think I had the ability to figure those things out at that point in time. Um, And so I kind of put that to rest. And then all these years later, this is why I tell people it's never too late to see your dream come to life because I'm not a therapist. I want to make that clear. But a lot of what I help people with is the emotional side of their life, the mind-body connection, the mind-body techniques. And people come to me, sometimes I'm the only person, I'm going to get emotional, but sometimes I'm the only person that people have who truly listens to them and who they can really tell their deepest, darkest fears and experience to. And I don't take that lightly. Um, you know, uh, so it's interesting because no, I don't think without my own experience, I would have ended up here. You know, we know all these things about growth mindset and how sometimes adversity is exactly what helps us realize our potential. And, um, you know, my son, the one thing that I think of is I would take it back if that meant a more normal experience for my son. But on the same token, he is the most loving, empathetic, kind human being. And I, early on in my journey, I had a daughter of someone who had MS, an adult, an adult child now, but she was reflecting on the fact that she had grown up with a mom who had MS. And she said, you know what? I have become the most empathetic person because of my experience with seeing my mom be sick and with having to slow take life slower and honestly our son always had my full attention. We would sit on the floor and put together puzzles. I'd teach him his colors, his ABCs, like he literally had my undivided attention. We'd cuddle, we'd read a ton. Um And that was my priority even before I got sick. That's just the kind of mom I was. My house was in shambles, but my child had my full attention. Um, But, you know, for as much as it took away from us and from him and what we what could have been, I feel like it's made him an amazing human being.
1: Yeah, there's no question of that. And we I mean, we had this conversation with him where he's like he'll like shut us down if we're trying to say anything like that and he's so insistent about the good in his experience which i don't think is him trying to placate you or make you feel better like he genuinely feels that yeah and i do think a big piece of it is a your attention to him and b that he did slow down and he did actually have to stop and appreciate and those moments where you could do things there was a celebration yeah he doesn't take it for granted i remember like when we first went to Disney, like that was the first time with consistency that we were all eating meals together, let alone eating out together. Right. Like that's just not something we've done. And he just took that in, and it's like how many kids that go out for dinner with their parents on a regular basis just—it's just a matter of course. Like they don't even, like. I certainly didn't think about it. I just like the food, mm-hmm. but I didn't take it as a family experience the way he did. So his appreciation for things is a lot stronger mm-hmm. because of that yeah um so what what like what is the purpose of the work you're doing? because when you have that connection with people and when you're maybe the only outlet they have, and God knows you know that firsthand, you know exactly yeah. what they're feeling, it's really hard to not give all of yourself. It's really hard to not take on the next client. It's hard to like and so you you get in this balancing act where. You have your own wellness to be mindful of. You have the wellness of your um, your clients, and the more you give, it could be more helpful. But that's time you're not giving to someone else, including yourself, including our son, including me. Um, So that that balancing act, when it's as impactful as that, has got to be really difficult. I don't mean to add stress to your perception. No, I mean you know
0: you know better than I do. I mean sometimes the people in our lives know our weaknesses. Better than we do, um, although I like to think of myself as being fairly self-aware. But um, first of all, time management has always been a huge issue for me, as you know. Which, I don't
1: know what you're talking about. <laughs> which, is a, which has <laughs> been a
0: major issue because you're Mr. On Time and Mr. Organized, and I'm the opposite. Um,
1: but to a fault on my part, too. Well, I can get worked up about it. It's
0: interesting because it's good that our son sees both sides of the coin, so hopefully he'll fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um. He was born on his due date, so right I mean, he's, he's sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so time management is an issue for me. Uh, as a highly sensitive person, uh, again, part of my issue growing up and even into my adulthood was a lack of boundaries. So, yeah, taking on other people's feelings, mm-hmm. taking on caring what other people think or feel or being a people pleaser Um, those are all issues that I am still very much working through. Um, you know, people always are asking me, so are you cured? So are you healed? And as far as symptoms go, I'm obviously a lot better and I still get flare ups. Um, but being a sensitive person, you're kind of my, my acupuncturist, my brilliant (laughs) acupuncturist who has been there for me Longer than any of my practitioners he was one of the first that really believed in me and helped me to heal um, told me that sensitive people you have a lot more symptoms but you typically live a lot longer because you take those signs that your body gives you and you course correct so you know when I eat something and I don't feel well I stop eating that thing when I'm out and I'm exposed to a chemical and I come home and I have all these rituals that I do I take my clothes off i Wash my hair. I get the stuff off of me. I you know I rinse out my nose, gargle whatever. People would think that's nuts, but that's what I do to stop my body from having a reaction. Most people go through this life. They're reacting to these chemicals. They're reacting to terrible foods, but it's not an obvious reaction. So they get to a disease state, and oh my gosh, how did this happen? I'm in a disease state, Um, or they ignored this more subtle messages. My body gives me very clear messages when I don't take good care of myself yeah. or when somebody's energy is bringing me down, like I'm why am I depressed today? well I have to think about like somebody just told me a really heavy thing and I have yeah. to um, you know, do energy work as much as I have to do um physical things for myself. Um whether that's journaling or tapping or you know, I have all sorts of tools that I use to help myself. Um but that's something I'm still working on because I want to help everyone. And if, you know, our appointments X amount of time long, but they're in the middle of crying and telling me something like I can't cut it off. Um, so that's something it's a gift and a curse, I guess. And it's something that I am still working on. And there are days when, yeah, when you work for yourself, that's Stressful, But when you work for yourself and it's such a meaningful thing that you're doing, um, it never stops. Like I don't ever stop. I don't have boundaries where it's like I'm going to stop thinking about this at 10 o'clock at night. That's just not realistic for me anymore. Um, And, you know, at some point I thought about like maybe this year, December, I'll take off because it's between work and the holidays and everything going on. Maybe I just deserve that. But then there's part of me that are like that's like, well, people need my help.
1: Yeah. You know? So yeah.
0: it's it's something I'm still working on. So TBD, I'll I'll get back to y'all on that one. Um
1: <laughs> no, that's a I mean, that's a very real struggle for anybody, this priority game. And we think like, oh, I can just do this or just make this little exception. One more thing. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh the reality is we can. And if we do we won't do those one things as well as if we had narrowed it down. But the pressure when it's it could be life or death. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that it's um so reminiscent for you that like you empathize in a way that so many people couldn't, um, which is like it's the whole reason you're doing this work. Yeah. It's really beautiful purpose. Um so I always ask people, I'm like, Well, what's next for you? Like mm-hmm. um, which feels super cheesy in this context, but I don't think we've ever really talked about like so yesterday someone asked me what's your goal. And it, they're like it's like six figure income, speaking on stages I'm like no, not at all. I'm like that's great if that happens, but it's about the impact and I talked about what the impact means and I think everything else follows if that's right. So what is it for you? Like did, did cuz it just sort of like there's this evolution from yeah. your struggle but then there was that letter so there must be some like what is it I'm actually do you is there a point where you'd be like, this is what I set out to achieve and I'm achieving it? Or do you think there's ever like yeah. will there ever be that feeling?
0: I think there already has been. Just from helping one person, I know that sounds cheesy and like I'm lying, but honestly, um my favorite quote of all time is we're all just walking each other home. Cause Whoa. I I really believe that. Um I believe that our purpose on this earth is to make someone else's journey better in some way, to lighten their load. You know, sometimes it's literally just walking with a friend and talking about your troubles. Um, You know, you don't have to have a degree or a certification or be in some major position to just listen to somebody, to give them your time. It costs nothing. Um, And so each person I help, then I feel, even if I stopped working tomorrow, I feel like I've achieved what I what I came to do now I feel like there are more people I can help but the fact that I've helped anybody helps me know my story wasn't in vain that um if I had gone through this and literally helped nobody then I would have a few questions and and a few doubts about things but I know I've helped other people and that's enough for me
1: what if you only helped yourself so what if you in that last scenario but you felt like you were better Or you felt like you had – would that be enough?
0: Yeah, I think so because, again –
1: Like do you get to be that one person I guess is the question. (laughs) Well,
0: again, I was just going to answer having to do with other people. But I really feel like people who are so discouraged by things in the world right now and politics and wars and all that, um, it gets overwhelming. And um, But we know that when we work on ourselves and that's sometimes the only thing we have any control over in our lives – it has a ripple effect and mm. it helps the people around you. And um, so, yeah, that would have been enough for me to help myself. The other thing I want to mention, because it came to mind before as well, when you were saying how much I was researching. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so between that point where I was, I was constantly researching health-related things and the fact that I just talked about the overwhelm of things going on in the world with, you know, politics and war and... and people doing awful things to each other. Um I believe that wellness isn't just what you're eating. It's not just um supplements you take, the exercise you do. A lot of it is what we put in our mind and what we put in front of us. And so my researching, though it did end up helping me, it got to a point where it was traumatizing mm-hmm. when 24/7 I was reading about worst-case scenarios and how I could end up in a wheelchair and and um People's, you know, people in a lot of support groups on, online are just there giving their worst case scenarios and telling you what you need to do to get better, but they're a, still not better themselves. So you have to be very careful about what you enter into as far as media, social media, what kind of news. I don't even watch the news, which I know sounds kind of ignorant and kind of, um, head in the sand some people will say to me but I, I get the news that unfortunately one way or another I end up finding about out about things but I don't sit there and barrage my brain with negative images and yeah. things that I can't do anything about I have to focus on the small things I can do something about and it's the same thing I tell people who are now told you can't eat gluten or you can't eat dairy let's not focus on what you can't let's focus on all the ma- all the many things that you can enjoy Um you know, a lot of what we experience in life and how we experience it is – has to do with our mind and has to do with, um, you know, whether you um, indulge that toxic family member and their their usual jargon or you um, call that friend who you know will lift you up and, um, you know, set you on a path to doing something positive. Yeah. Um, it's all a choice. It's always a choice. Even things that don't feel like a choice. Um, I just went off on a tangent. No, I love it. No, 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 it's, <laughs> but, it's perfect. Um, and
1: those really, I mean, those relationships are really critical because the people around us, like the 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 sentiment around us, is contagious. Yeah, and you know, you hear people talk about like who's on your bus. You have the right people mm-hmm. in your corner. Of. Um, telling you this the other day. Our like, son and I are in your corner 100%. Yeah, no matter what. And then I had to explain to him that that comes from boxing, which is yeah. less of a nice idea, maybe wrestling, yeah. um, hopefully fake wrestling so no one's actually getting hurt. But either way, that the tone, the style of the influences around you have an impact on you. So mm-hmm. your point on the news, you still know what's going on in the world. You're just not having that negativity because it is such a negative yeah. constant flow. Um,
0: and I remember, like, after September 11th, my roommate and I sat, huddled on the couch, holding hands, like, literally crying for days and days and days, weeks, watching the footage on TV. There was nothing we could do about it, yet we continued to just feel that, you know, Yeah. Um. I think it's Martin Seligman talks about learned helplessness. And when – I think it was Seligman. Yeah, because it's um, in
1: his learned optimism approach. Yeah,
0: I mean, when you feel helpless in a situation um, – then you just go further down and down in the pit whereas you know knowing about it is one thing watching it for 24/7 is another um and doing what you can donating donating things or whatever taking an action step but the other thing i wanted to mention based on what you said about who's on your bus is i always encourage people to find at least one person who has the same condition you have or who is in a similar situation whether that's again Child of someone and the parent of someone with special needs, or you know, whatever struggle you're going through, or your health condition, and find someone who has positively navigated that situation and gotten to a point that you someday want to see yourself in. Um, because there's enough of the people who didn't, you know, weren't so successful, and again, a lot of those people are still stuck on the message boards and things like that. God help them because for whatever reason they're not making forward motion progress but find someone who did and set your sights on that person a lot of times these people will happily respond to your emails or in some way keep in contact with you and just use that as a place to continue to fix your site on um, because it's possible and you just need that reminder that this person has been there and they got to the other side so so can I Um, thank you yeah, I mean, yeah. you I mean, for people who've had chronic illness or are chronically ill with a young toddler, whatever that happens to be, I've been in, you know, a lot of situations that people can relate to yeah. and I'm happy to be that person for people. Um but there are a lot of there are a lot of people out there. I mean, my health coach was one of them. Yeah. Um she also had Lyme and and coached me for a f- few years and
1: I think that's one of the most um most eye-opening things one of the eye opening things that we've experienced through your journey is how many people are in a similar boat. Mm-hmm. Either with Lyme, like when we had our floors redone and the guy was like, Oh yeah, my mother has it. And like every, every person we had come place. in. Yeah. Every
0: every single um we had a lot of work done on the house at the time because I was like, Okay, how do I just flip everything upside down to give my body the best chance to heal. So I changed all of the products we were using in the house. We ripped out all the carpets and put in, um, no VOC bamboo flooring. We had some plumbing work done. I mean, literally every person provider that we had come into the house during that time, I told them my story because at this point I was trying to raise awareness, um, because Lyme and tick diseases are epidemic in the Massachusetts in this area, really in most areas. But, um, and every single person the guy who claimed the vents the guy who i mean <laughs> everybody had life, yep yeah, everybody everyone. had a family member who had Lyme disease yeah.
1: and and you broaden it out whether they've gotten the diagnosis or not the number of people who ha- themselves have a chronic illness story or their spouse or their parent or their child or their what like actually this is really widespread yeah and i think there's this feeling that like it's in the periphery and it's just these people who can't deal with it or it's in there. No, it's like it's really widespread yeah. and it manifests in different ways and people cover it up. Like the, well, you look good is like yeah. people do put on a good show sometimes because of obligation or they just want to get out for a night or get away from it. For or a doctors
0: night. are treating their symptoms. And right. so, and then so it's, it's covered up yeah. another
1: way. The, the makeup may be a pill. Yeah. But don't take that. Basically, the point is like you don't know what anyone's going through. And I think one of the most eye-opening things for me is how much more widespread the battle with chronic illness in many different forms that it takes is going on throughout the population. That
0: includes mental illness, depression, anxiety. Um, And I mean, that brings up... doesn't show up. That brings up a good point um, and to actually ties into your book, your new book. Um, How much, and I cannot stress this enough, how much relationships matter um, because... You know, as we know from um, one of the longest studies on adult life um, done out of Harvard, from Dan Buettner's Blue Zones work. If you don't know about that, you know, check check that out. Um, that the number one factor that predicts not just how long you live, but how healthy and well you live, is your relationships. If you have healthy Relationships you feel supported in life, like you're not alone. One of my favorite examples, I have to bring in my Italian-American heritage because, you know, that's like yeah. central to my identity. And and um, one of my passions in life is the Rosettans uh, in Rosetta, Pennsylvania, who was an immigrant, an immigrant group who had all come from the same town in Italy, and they'd settled in Rosetta, Pennsylvania. And um, they had... There was the national average for heart attack and cardiovascular issues, and then there were the Rosettans who had, like, none of that. And so the government actually descended upon the town and did all this research on them, researched their air quality, what they were eating, what they were drinking, um, literally took everything about them because they wanted to know why are these people so healthy, mm-hmm. Um and so once it came down to it, I mean, they they were eating lard, things cooked in lard. They were smoking cigars. They were drinking wine. Um, it had nothing to do with eating healthy. They had, you know, they were working extremely hard a lot of times in mines, which is, again, yeah. not healthy for you. Um and when it came down to it, it was that they were living in multi-generational homes. If something happened to one family member, everyone else stepped in to pitch in and help. Nobody had to worry about losing their job because everyone else would cover that person until they could get a job. If someone was sick, they took care of them. Um,
1: doors weren't locked.
0: Doors, They opened door policy. Yeah. And so as soon as the first generation of – they they were the first generation of Americans born here who went off to college – and ended up having their own homes watching t v at night instead of spending time socializing their their health joined the national average for disease. But that first generation who came here and who valued family and who spent time taking care of each other and who created that safety net of support in life, knowing that no matter what comes my way, illness, loss of job divorce spout you know spouse dying, whatever it was. They knew that someone had their backs and they knew that they would be okay. And that's what we, so many of us are missing in today's world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's lots of different factors in the different blue zone communities that Dan Butner looks at. One of the common things is around diet and movement, you know, like, is it a walking community? This one doesn't fit the mold of any of the others. And yet people were super healthy and they weren't succumbing to the same things that everyone else does until you took away the social side of it so that it just goes to show you it's not you can't reduce anything down to one thing and it's a big human connection is so much more powerful than many people will give credits and there's no pill for that you know there's no diagnosis Mm -hmm. and like just take this like take time with another person and call me in the morning maybe that's what you take but um the It goes back to the functional medicine side is this holistic view of wellness. It's not just eating more kale or not smoking or not drinking or avoiding gluten. It's the whole picture. What are your relationships like? What's your diet like? What's your sleep like? What's your stress level? All of it. Yeah, and relationships
0: is one of the five pillars that we address with people. And a lot of times it's the one just like mind-body connection that people are the least – thinking that it plays a part, but, you know, for me personally, it was because we moved here. I was eight months pregnant. So I didn't have any friends established in my new community. Um, you know, no other moms that I knew. Um, so I was pretty isolated when we had our son. So I didn't have that sense of like other women stepping in and kind of my, and my mom lives far away. And, um, and then within two years, I had a chronic illness, another isolating experience. Yeah, And I've always been, a social person like I love people I love connecting with people so I know that my isolation both from having a baby being anxious around about people being around my baby and then having an illness and not being able to leave the house really significantly impacted my health yet it was one of the last things I feel like I actually worked on because yeah. <laughs> you don't feel like you should have to work on Having relationships, having um, friends, how do you even make friends at 30-something years old when, you know, everyone's got their own lives going on and everything? But it's one of the things I've navigated, and now I have, like, the most real, best, most aligned friends that I've ever had, probably. Yeah. And it is possible, and that's what, you know, it feels a little silly, and I don't want to admit that I don't have any friends at, like, 30 years old, but life circumstances happen, put you in that position, and... um, you know, it's important. It's imp- it's an important part. Of very, I say, again, based on these studies, the most important factor to have going for you, because again, you were talking about food and everything, but studies are showing even, and the Rosettins prove this, that even if you eat junk food, stress is more, is more detrimental to your health than <laughs> eating junk food. So if you're going to go indulge in that junk food, don't be sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm killing myself. This is yeah. horrible for me. If you have a, he- a happy life outside of what you eat, you know, a lot of times your body is taking care of the chemicals and, you know, absorbing, doing the nutrient thing better than if you were miserable, alone, and yeah. eating the healthiest food in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: It's like your cousin Sam says, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so where can people – find more about you. And for those who are watching on Facebook, you would see her sign. But since many people aren't, and there's no vision in the podcast, Hmm. we'll fill people in where can they get a hold of you and see what you're doing and get some insight.
0: So you can find me on social media, um, both on Facebook and Instagram. I'm pretty active on both Um, for now. That may be something that I I try to, um, wean myself off from, cause I see the impacts of that for sure. Um, but yeah, intended holistic wellness, both on Facebook, um, on Instagram, it's intended well, um, and Twitter as well, which I'm not as ac- active on. And then my website is intended holistic wellness.com. Um, where I post there when I have events and, um, I do some speaking stuff and, and definitely one-on-one and, and last winter I, um, did a virtual support group for for helping people heal um, the PTSD that comes along with having an illness. Mm. Um, so I do things like that as much as possible, do free things like that, because I feel like I don't ever want people's, um, you know, how much money they have uh, impact them getting the help they need, which I feel like is another problem with the wellness space and functional medicine, integrative medicine, is that it's very expensive and people should not be restricted in, in healing and getting the health they deserve just because they can't afford it.
1: Yeah. And you believe in the approach, so you want to make it more accessible. Yeah. It shouldn't sure. be an elite kind of thing. Um, and obviously, it will link to all of that. Um, I didn't know how this would go. I didn't know if it would be awkward or weird or- I know. And I was like,
0: like you mean you don't give people you interview questions ahead of time? No. I'm like, are you just doing this to me? <laughs> no. And I didn't know
1: like- Do I ask you things because I already know the answer, but maybe I don't know the answer and I don't want to presume that. I don't know. Either way, I think it went okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what people think. (laughs) Either way, we get to have a chat. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, there is one thing that I give people beforehand and we didn't do that. Do you know how I end the episodes?
0: I mean you know yeah, quote? I've heard it. You say what how are you gonna do your day or whatever. I don't know. It, <laughs> Something like that. So there's there's
1: one there's one line that I ask all the guests okay. to say. So I would say, uh, so today is a new day.
0: Go out and be kind to one another.
1: That's a much nicer way of saying doing <laughs> it. Um thank you so much, Sharon. You're welcome. And I feel like I should kiss you, but that I don't know if no. that's even weirder <laughs> for the yes, podcast. It's very
0: weird. Um I could
1: just record a kissing sound later. <laughs> Um, thank you for being on thank and thank you everyone who joined. So for those listening, uh, on the podcast, we also live stream this on Instagram and on the do a day Facebook page. It's the first time I've done that. I think actually I've done that when I've recorded retrospective episodes, but never with a guest. Um, you look good. So <laughs> never one who looks so I good. must
0: feel good. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, it means a lot to me that you came on and the timing of it. You know, again, like really important time. And of course, we hit on relationships, which is the whole point of the book. I talk about our relationship, um, your perfection in it and my oh, failures in it. If um, anyone out there is perfect <laughs> in
0: relationships, you're lying.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that is very true. Yeah. It's it's not about perfection, it's about growth and investing in it. And I feel like that was such a key point of your message when we talked about relationships, is like they don't just happen like the, you know, even for the Rosettans, like the next generation, they stopped investing in it. And so when they had it, it left. So you do have to put that effort in and create something meaningful and supportive and real. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. It's good timing. Maybe we need
0: to do a part two, cause I feel like we didn't talk about, I don't know. We didn't talk a lot about sort of our kind of growth as a couple through, um, some pretty hard times with my yeah. illness and parenting is just stressful too as much yeah. as it's a joy so um
1: i didn't know you'd be willing to go there oh, all right I'll we can definitely do it ba- i'll come too. back we'll have two microphones that time and we won't be <laughs> and squeezed in... yeah we can have a okay, turntable cool. too we and just i'll have definitely to find be back um we probably just violated some copyright or something from Beck. um thank you for being on sure you're welcome and for everyone listening Thank you for joining for everyone watching and commenting. Thank you for that. And we'll see you here next time. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. All right. Now, do you get why I wanted to marry this woman? Isn't she amazing? Um, I, I don't know what to say because, you know, her journey is my journey and my journey is hers. And there's so many pivots that we've gone through together. There's so many things that we've catalyzed for each other. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost, uh, it's a bit surreal having her on as a guest, I'm not going to lie. I um, I have a, a newfound respect for Rich Roll and Julie Pyatt. Um, you know, Rich, I've mentioned a ton of times on the show as someone who I really look up to as a human being, as an athlete, as a podcaster, as a life improver. Um they do a bunch of episodes, Rich and his wife Julie. And um it's it's a really interesting dynamic and I feel like I got a little taste of that today. And if you couldn't tell, we only had one microphone. I forgot my second mic. I left it behind at my office. And uh so there's this last minute scramble of trying to put it together and we were just speaking closely, <laughs> uh leaning in on the same mic, so that that wasn't awkward at all. Um, But it all worked out just fine. I am so thankful for Sharon giving her time and herself in this way to share so openly about her journey. I do think another episode would be great. I think she's spot on. Um, And I'm just honored to be able to call this woman my wife and to be her husband and her partner. And I'm honored to have been able to uh, dedicate this next book to her. And the journey that we've gone on, which led to the creation of the book, um, you know, it means the most to me. So since this is the day the book comes out, it is a very important day for our family, um, for me personally, for our relationship. And I hope that all of you took something in from this and are curious about what we've been through and are curious about how her story and my story intertwined and informed the solution that I talk about in the book, the 5075100 100 solution, build better relationships. If you are curious about that, and if our relationship resonated with you, and if the things I've been talking about on this show resonate, head over to 5075100.com. It's the numbers, 5075100.com. Pick up a copy today, launch day. Help with the release and grab the book. Get it as quickly as you can so you can start taking it in. Uh, it's available everywhere if you go to the website, you get a link to a lot of different ways to purchase it. If you click the little teal or green ish aqua ish button let's just get the book um, but you can also just go to your favorite retailer if you like. so if you're online, you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you can get it there. Um, you can get it on every ebook platform. you can get it on Audible. Um, and I know Audible also goes through Apple and goes through Amazon. So however you want to consume books, you can get it. That's really important to me. I've made it universally available. Um, so that that really matters. And I see every now and then that someone got it on Google Play or someone gets it on Kobo or some other e-reader platform. I've actually learned about a couple because I sold a book on those platforms and I'd not heard of them before. Uh, so you can get it however you want. I talk really openly about my relationship with Sharon, some of the struggles we had. We will come back together on another episode and talk about that with both sides of that equation, both 50s in that mix. And you can find out what that number 50 and the 75 and the 100 in the title actually mean at 5075100.com. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Check out the book. Of course, follow Sharon. Intended Holistic Wellness is her website, intendedholisticwellness.com, dot uh, com, at intended holistic wellness or intended well on Instagram. And, and of course, she links all that from her site. And I will do the same in the show notes. Follow me at Brian Falchuk. Subscribe to this podcast, please. Give a review. And if you pick up the book, I would love to hear what you think of it. So, whatever platform you buy it on please do leave a review. It means a lot. It helps me. It helps me grow as an author, and it helps other people discover the book, which is important. I'm just trying to impact lives, much like my wife is. And the way that that happens is by spreading the word. So you have a hand in helping me reach my mission, but helping other people live a better life every day. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Go out and do it. And like Sharon said, be kind.